Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm Joe McCall, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, today's a special interview we have with a gentleman named Randy Lawrence, who hails from Florida. And uh, Randy is one of the nicest guys, most genuine guys you'll ever meet. And I'm excited about this interview because he does a lot of deals. And um, he's got a new podcast of his own, The Real Estate Preacher. And uh, it's a really good podcast. I'm going to recommend it to you guys. But first, let me tell you, if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com, if you haven't done that yet, go get our Fast Cash Survival Kit. Our Fast Cash Survival Kit is absolutely free. And in there, Alex and I show you how we do deals, how we find sellers, how we find buyers, how we use virtual assistants, the systems and tools that we use, the marketing that we do. And it's all 100% free. And as we sometimes jokingly say, if you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. But check it out. You're gonna, it's a valuable resource. You could, you could do deals directly from this without even having to buy any other course. Everything's in there. Um, and also, please, leave us a review on iTunes. If you like the show, we'd appreciate the reviews. Um, we get them in, trickle in once in a while. But I just wanted to encourage you, if you like the show, if you think this is something that is beneficial to you and be beneficial to other people, please leave us a review We'd appreciate that. I know um, we've been doing this now for almost five years, and it blows me away when I think about it. We have listeners in over 170 different countries. We have uh, people all over the world that I meet um, that are listening to the podcast, are enjoying it, who uh, I'm looking up our reviews right now in iTunes, and I'm just going to read a few of the last ones that we've received because we appreciate these. And also, if you leave a review in iTunes... We have a special, it's a, it's a podcast called Leave a Review, Get Cool Stuff. So if you leave a review, we'll send you some really cool free stuff. All right. So Jack11011 leaves us a great review, four star, five stars. Great podcast. Some really great information and interesting topics and guests. Definitely recommend. Awesome. Flowgirl777. This is an excellent podcast that gives a detailed information that can be used and is easy to understand. I highly recommend it. Look forward to this, and thank you for the chance to hear from you. So we appreciate the reviews, guys. Thank you so much. All right, so um, Randy, how yes. are you? Awesome, man. Doing great, man. It's glad to be here on the uh, show with you, brother. That's uh, five years, man. That's kick, that's kick butt, man. That's fantastic. <laughs> So, it's, it might be four and a half, but we're coming yeah. up on five. I was trying Still, to remember. That's, that's great. I love it too, man, especially to delivering value, you know, with the uh, free course. It's uh, awesome, man. I know you're always giving, brother, so I appreciate that about you, man, and uh, I'm glad to be on the show with you. Thank you. You know, the, the reason I was kind of uh, pausing, I, I just read a bad review in iTunes. I was opening ah. up iTunes and I was talking about all these you know, yeah. <laughs> please well, leave a review. And I, yeah, the first yeah. one here is a one star. We got a one star. Uh, well, and, you know, uh, I guess you can't please everybody all the time, right? You know what I mean? So uh, maybe they were having a bad day, I guess. Oh, man. So whoever this guy is, Buster463, Buster463, it looks like I'm reading this here, and I won't read all of it here, but he bought somebody's course that I've never even had on this podcast before. Uh, yeah. Oh, it well, I might have had somebody that was related to this guy, mm. but 
he's complaining about not liking the course and not getting a refund. So listen, man, Buster, 463, if you're listening to this, contact my office right away. I will personally give you a refund. Uh, and I apologize. I'm not sure what the whole situation is, but I know obviously you're upset and you're not happy. So Buster, 463, <laughs> please contact my office. I'll give you a refund. And uh, I apologize. So on on... Let's let's switch gears, Randy. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that. No, absolutely. I was bro. like, I was I was uh, like a sucker punch. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, what's <laughs> like, this? Yeah. You're looking at all the killer uh, reviews, and then bam, get hit with the negative deal. Man. Uh, so we've had negative reviews before, and I, you know, please leave us your honest opinion. <laughs> leave yeah. us leave us a review. Tell us what you honestly think. I'm not asking for good reviews. Yeah. Um, but if you have a complaint about something, if somebody that's been on the show, please contact my office. And let me know, and I'll yeah. take care of you. I promise. Um, okay, so Randy, you're from Florida. We yep. we know each other through a mastermind called Collective Genius. I've interviewed Jason Medley here before. It's a great group of guys, and we've known each other for a couple years now. Yep. And um, you talk. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're you're from Florida. You've got an amazing story. Give us a little yeah. bit of your history, would you? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, brother. Um, yeah, I, I uh, have been in real estate since 2003. Uh, my backstory to that is uh, I came kind of broken home, divorced family, probably by the time in middle school, kind of headed down the wrong path, got involved with, you know, drugs and the wrong crowd, doing the wrong thing, dealing drugs. And uh, that, that kind of continued on from probably eighth grade till about 27. I was even uh, arrested for trafficking cocaine in high school at 16 and uh, just really kind of headed the wrong way. And then at 27, uh, really for the first time, uh, probably heard that God loved me and had a plan for my life and put my faith in Jesus uh, Christ. And that really transformed my life, turned it around 180 degrees, took me from the wrong path to the right path. Uh, and then in probably about three, four years later, um, that was in 97. So it was probably in 99. I, I bought my first duplex. I'd, I wanted to live in a duplex, rent one side out and live in the other side. And uh, so I kind of had this desire for real estate. And then really in 2003, uh, I just felt I'd been in the money management, stockbroker, that kind of thing. And God was just really directing me to real estate. That was part of a passion that I had, just kind of stayed there burning. And so I uh, got my first place, uh, my first rehab, which was a seven-unit apartment deal, uh, I wouldn't recommend that to people who are, you know, uh, listening. It, the place looked like it was going to fall down, and uh, but the guy literally gave it to me. Just signed, you know, signed it over to me, and I assumed it subject to, and uh, so it worked out well. But that began the journey, you know, and then I got uh, started in single family homes, probably in two thousand four five, and went uh, accumulated a lot of rentals, and then you know here in Florida six seven, and then especially eight, just things fell off the cliff. So just got totally wiped out uh, here in Florida. It was a very difficult, you know, three, four year process. But it was out of that that I really kind of, I think God refined me, learned uh, a lot of things, you know, through all of the pain that was going on. And then even too, I think the biggest thing was really making a determined decision to achieve what I wanted and what I believe God had for me, but also delivering true value to help people. Uh, you know, a lot of times people talk about that, but sometimes maybe they give a little bit more lip service to it. And so 
you know, out of that, we started a short sale company to help all the people in foreclosure, did tons of short sales, and then, uh, you know, really started resuming the rehab business that we'd done because we, we discontinued rehabbing because it was just you know, not a good marketplace, you know, here, eight, nine, and 10, everything was just kind of falling still. Um, and so probably about in 11 and 12, we started, you know, selectively rehabbing. And then as the market continued to change, we really... Uh, begin ramping it up. So even now, we we probably rehab about 80% of everything that we do uh, retail, and then the other 20% we sell uh, to other investors or rental properties, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. Now, you got hit pretty hard when the market crashed. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, totally, completely wiped out. I mean, we had probably accumulated about $5 million in total uh, real estate rentals, and it just completely got decimated. Like that, that seven-unit apartment that we had, it probably had 150000 of equity. Rents were five fifty. That neighborhood just got so crushed that it was upside down, and then rents were down to three hundred. A lot of it, though, was like low, low, low-end multifamily rentals, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and what happened in this area was because of such a glut – the apartment complexes and then also the houses opened up the rental pool so that the better renters migrated upwards and then it was just a just super problematic on the bottom bottom end so uh, it just really everything got completely wiped out so we still probably have about 10 rentals now um, but you know it was definitely a painful process going through that working through those issues figuring out uh, what works and what doesn't work in a changing market, you know, in a declining market. And um, it really, the blessing that came out of that, though, is that it forced me to become strategic in my thinking and to begin to think strategically versus just thinking for the here and now. And so I find a lot of times that's people focus on just this moment or just this deal and not looking at it more, how does this affect things over a uh, longer period. What does it look like over the next year? And uh, so that that kind of forced me to start thinking that way. What um, what were some of the lessons you think you learned from the crash? Mm. Well, I would say the the number one thing uh, would be delivering value to help people and finding what that means for you. Um, you know, and that can be a number of things. So, like whether it's you know buying a house from a seller, there's a value. It's being done in that because this person needs to sell the home. And so genuinely focusing on how can I deliver value to help this person and buy their home. Uh, you still have to buy it at the right numbers. But again, you're truly delivering value. Or like for us, when we're selling a home, we genuinely want to provide them a quality home at a good value price that's been renovated so that they're getting a good value to start their you know first time home buyer, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing I would say that was really significant for me was being focused on the one thing. You know, so oftentimes, especially in the real estate arena, people kind of focus or chase after the shiny object, you know. Yeah. Oh, this, this guy's doing uh, this. This guy's doing rehab. This guy's doing wholesale. This guy's doing, uh, you know, subject twos. And I think what happens is people can diffuse their energy and their focus by going after three, four, five things and never experiencing really success. And the better approach I found is focusing on the one thing, developing a mastery 
of that one thing and really maximizing the value that you can obtain and deliver through that one thing. And then once you've done that, then you could branch off to the next thing, you know. Um, what would you say for you is your one thing then? Mm, I would say right now at this point, we really do a great job in the rehabbing. Uh, we probably have about 20 properties currently under uh, renovation. And so we do, uh, I think, a very good job in that. And uh, we've really got a level of mastery in that arena. And so that's been the focus. And again, we do marketing and we're you know, going to expand that. And again, that's part of our strategic focus for this next year. Um, and then so with that, we'll also sell more. Like I said, we're about 80-20 right now on the rehabbing versus you know, selling to other investors. We'll increase that other side as we do more marketing. Okay. Yeah, I want to ask you more questions about marketing and what you're finding that's working for you because you're in a, you're in a real competitive market. But what else did you learn uh, in, in regards to the crash? And like with the crash in context, what would you tell a new investor that they need to be careful of and, and avoid? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you have to know the, uh, the demographics or the marketplace that you're in. Also understand uh, what the potential downside risk may be um, and that then you're, you know, purchasing the right property at the right numbers so that even too, as if there is that kind of downturn, again, I don't think the same as what we experienced in 08, but you have the ability to resolve it and not get necessarily hurt. Uh, a lot of people pre-08 were just kind of rolling with the tide, you know what I mean? And uh, just kind of going after it. And, and in some markets, even now, that same mentality is developing. You know what I mean? Just getting anything you can get to get a deal with the auspice of thinking, hey, I'm going to make money on it. And that's really not the best approach. Well, you know, short of not buying a house, is mm -hmm. there anything you could have done to avoid being hurt in the, in the crash like you were? Yeah. Um, I think that... Um, you know, I, I would say um, it, it's very tough because we were in an acquisition mode. And, sure. and, and even to the majority of the rentals that we had um, were, you know, had equity in them. It just they got completely crushed and the rent's the same. So I would say, though, the thing that I could have done differently is to better analyzed and been more strategic on the cash flow. Sometimes people want to fudge the numbers on the cash flow and not leave enough margin in there on a rental deal um, because literally you need to you need to be you know taking out your uh, you know the repair money you need to be taking out the uh, management fee for yourself you need to be taking out uh, a vacancy uh, percentage as well you know really being more disciplined on the numbers and then if the numbers don't make sense then don't do the deal. But see, I I, uh, I bought a lot of properties in '05 mm -hmm. and '06 when the prop when the market was going up, and at the time I thought I was using the right fundamentals. You know, yeah. uh, I was cash flowing a couple hundred dollars a month on each house. I had at least well, and the, these were nicer middle. I mean, these were nicer blue collar. I could, I'd say upper middle blue collar, upper median priced homes, and I was getting. At least fifteen to twenty-five percent equity in these houses, 
Yep. So these were, I thought, good conservative numbers. But yeah, when the market crashed, um, all of a sudden I was upside down. It mm-hmm. felt like overnight, right? Yeah, for sure. And then, um, although it wasn't, and then the vacancies were all of a sudden, like it was hard to even find renters and tenants. Yeah. And it was hard to, the rent started going down. Yep. And I'm just wondering, like, what, you know, I guess one th- one answer could have been um, not using debt. Like if if sure. I owned these houses free and clear instead of owning sixteen houses, if I just owned two or three free yeah. and clear, I wouldn't have any. I wouldn't have had any problems, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's the thing too. And I mean, again, I think you raise a good point. Is the leverage it slices both ways? You know what I mean? It's valuable uh, to be able to leverage and increase to go to the sixteen, but then it cuts the other way, uh, depending on where liquidity is. Uh, and that's, I guess that's part of the thing there too, is like, you know, what is our liquidity ability in the event that things do have a slowdown? You know what I mean? That's one of the things, uh, the temptation is, is to always go, go, go. And I, I mean, I'm guilty of that as party, uh, I'm sure as some with the next person, but really understanding that you, you, you need to have reserves, I guess I would say, because, you know, there are things that are uh, unforeseen. I think of like, Truett Cathy, Chick-fil-A, they built that company over a longer haul by expanding from cash flow to restaurant to restaurant to restaurant. And they're still, you know, I mean, I think they just overtook KFC as the number one chicken chain kind of deal. But, you know, that was a slower process than just going with leverage. Uh, But, you know, he was able to sleep better at night. And when the the, the tide went out at different times, you know what I mean? There's a little bit more easy ability to weather that kind of thing. Yeah. So what's, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of debt-free investing, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just not possible. I get it. And yep. So sometimes maybe there is a place for debt. So what's your philosophy on that? I mean, being a Christian, yeah. you know, the Bible has a lot of things to say about debt. What's your view or philosophy on it? Well, I think it is, you know, there's a, a, a great quote in uh, the book of Proverbs. It says, the borrow is slave to the lender. And it's true that the more that we borrow and, and leverage, the more that we become a slave to that debt because we got to pay it. Um, and so I don't think that it precludes us from using leverage, but there's a lot of instruction on the wisdom of how to use it. Um, and so, you know, my thoughts would be um, is that you – undertake it. And if in doing so, yeah, without question, if you can do it without debt, that's a much better uh, profitable uh, cash flow scenario. But with debt, I think you have to recognize the prudency um, and not over leverage. Because again, at the end of the day, the more that you borrow, the more that you extend, the more that that's going to cause pressure. You have to service that debt. And so I think if somebody was going to buy rentals, you know, the more ideal scenario if they're going to use debt is to make sure that the debt service is manageable and whether that's, you know, not borrowing 80% but borrowing a lesser amount, it may be a slower process um, to accumulate more of the rentals, but I think it will probably come with less stress too. Yeah, you know, buy, put more money down and pay it off faster. Correct. Yeah. Use that cash flow to pay it down. You know, that two, three hundred bucks a month that they're cash flowing on it, they could more aggressively pay it down. That's not sexy, but it's also, you know, you get a bunch of houses paid off. Now that that is sexy. You know, we uh, we interviewed a mutual friend of ours, um, uh, uh, Jason Hartman, 
who's yep. also in Collective Genius. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you guys want a, an opposite viewpoint, you should go listen to the episode we did with Jason called Refi Till You Die. <laughs> yeah, he is focused on it for sure. Like, oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, it's hard to argue against that because True. you look at a spreadsheet, you look at the numbers, and he's absolutely right. Your ROI is going to be much higher sure. when you yeah. use leverage. Oh, yeah, it does dramatically increase it. But I think, and, you know, the other thing I would say that part of what I learned, too, is you've got to do what's right for you. You know what? Everybody is different in their makeup. You know what I mean? Uh, not everybody can handle the same level of pressure. Not everybody wants the same level of uh, business or stress that comes with it. Uh, not everybody looks to live the same lifestyle. And so I think part of a trap that sometimes happens, and it's I think part of our human psyche, is that we get caught up in seeing what the other person's doing and like, God, I need to do that. You know what I mean? Or what the other person's making, I need to do that. And I think at the end of the day, all of us have an individual uh, life purpose. Uh, you know, you're going to impact people different than maybe I, people I interact with here. Um, you know, like when you were traveling, you and your family, you're doing that over in Europe. And that's part of a purpose that I would say God has for your life. And through that journey, you're impacting people in a different way. You know what I mean? And so just because maybe somebody listening hasn't done that yet, they don't need to feel bad about that. And so oftentimes we get caught up in comparing and even in the investing arena, like, oh my God, well, this guy's leveraging. So maybe I better do it. You know what I mean? And it's like, be true to who you are and what fits what's who you're made to be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I will say this. Uh, I, I've never, I know a couple people, and I guess this tells you what kind of friends I have. I, I know a couple people who have been arrested uh, gone to jail for mortgage fraud. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, uh, do you know anybody like that? Uh, no of, but not no personally. Of. No, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of that here in, in Florida. <laughs> yes. And I, I, the uh, one of these guys, he wasn't even doing it. That's oh, a long story. I won't get into it. Yeah. Uh, but he was associated with the wrong people, and he was the one who got caught. Yeah. Um, but, the, the you know, I never met anybody or heard of anybody that was arrested for mortgage fraud um, or doing Ponzi schemes or doing any of that stuff, uh, who was debt free. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't get foreclosed on if you own the house free and clear. That's right. Yeah. You'd have nothing to declare bankruptcy for you have, if you, if you don't have a ton of debt. Yeah. Um, I just think it's for me personally, I, I like the freedom of knowing that, um, except for my house, I, I, yeah. I don't have any mortgage, yeah. no debts. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to pay this house off as quickly as possible. But anyway, um, awesome. so you you uh, now got twenty properties under renovation. Correct. Yeah. We're, so, what, Randy? Talk about like you were you were hit hard by the market, and a lot yeah. of people listening to this were. Yeah. And how did you pull yourself up out of that? Yeah. Well, it, it's you know I remember specifically in that time. Uh, probably in 2008 and just really, I mean, it felt like I was just literally going through hell. I mean, like just every day was terrible and there was no, uh, light, so to speak on the horizon. You know, it just, it just very painful. I had to really, I mean, one was my faith in the Lord and just believing that as much as like, I don't necessarily understand all of this. 
Uh, I know that good's going to come out of it. And so really having the right focus. But I remember specifically making a decision. It was in 2008. You know what? I am just not going to allow this to happen to me any further. Uh, No more excuses of any kind. I'm going to fully own my responsibility and learn from this and then begin to move forward with God's help and achieve the life that I want. And so that began to be a daily process. And through that, you know, I believe God really just helped me to transform my thinking, transform my focus, to begin to focus on what I wanted, really develop a clear vision. I think a lot of times people don't have a clear vision. It's awfully tough to get somewhere if you don't know where that is. And just saying I want to make $100,000 or I want to make, you know, whatever that is, I don't believe that's clear enough. You know, that uh, there's a great quote from the Bible that says, you know, make the vision clear, write it down so that those who read with it can run with it. And like in an honest way, I didn't have it that clear. And so when I made that decision, I began to get more focused and more clear about what I wanted. That also helped me to see what I didn't want. And it also began to illuminate the, the path of what steps I needed to take to get where I wanted to go. Uh, it wasn't easy. It was very difficult. And then, you know, I had to, I would say on a daily basis, reinforce the positive thoughts in my mind, you know, every single day saying, I'm victorious. I'm a winner. I'm going to achieve these things. I'm successful. Um, you know, and now some people listen to me and go, that's kind of crazy. But like, how easy is it for like when, when a person makes a mistake, you go, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. And so we're reinforcing the negative things and people do that all day long. But very seldomly do people reinforce the positive things. And so those were really central to me being able to navigate through what was a very brutalizing time that I think, unfortunately, a lot of people just got crushed and, and maybe never, never made it back. Right. So faith is obviously really important to you. And you have a new podcast, Randy, called The Real Estate Preacher. Yep. Um, talk, talk about your faith for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, genuinely, God totally changed my life at 27. Um, I grew up, you know, go to church, you know, whatever, once a year at Christmas or something like that. So it didn't really mean anything to me. I could have cared less about it. And because of the lifestyle that I was in, I mean, I was like, you know, really deep in the drugs and dealing and all that. But it was a, just an empty life. As much as there was money and, you know, partying and, and women and this, that and the other, it was very empty. And I think all of us truly long for fulfillment and, and true love. And none of that was found in that lifestyle. And then it was really when I... uh Heard, I read a book, one of the guys I'd helped start an automotive garage. There was a book there by uh, Norm Miller, chairman of Interstate Batteries. And in that book, it talked about his life being changed by Christ. And then in that, I could see that for the first time for my life. And it genuinely was like a 180 degree turn when I went from being in kind of enslaved, if you will, to this, this lifestyle to then being able to become free from it. It was really uh, just so powerful because uh, I really had not been able to break free from the lifestyle, the drugs, the dealing and all that over that long period of time. And it was really the power of Christ that came into my life and really filled me with an unconditional love. I just knew it's like no matter what happens in my life, I know that he's with me. And no matter how bad I've screwed up in the past, that he loves me. And that was just 
a powerful transforming thought and experience. And uh, so that's really been driving my life since uh, the last basically uh, almost 18 years now. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's incredible. I mean, and like, you know, and, and, and even with going through the 2008, apart from like in a, you know, a daily time I spend with God and connect with him and reading the Bible and praying and on a daily basis, he's, you know, speaking to me through the word of God and encouraging me through those things so that even when I face just object, nasty stuff, there was still uh, his presence there to give me that confidence that, hey, we're going forward. We're going through this thing and I'm making it to the other side. And, um, you know, and, and so that's something that uh, I think a lot of times people unfortunately miss out that that's really the intention that God's presence is in our life to that extent that he's with us all the time. You know, uh, and he's actually concerned about our business because like most people spend, I don't know, uh, the majority of their time working. Right. Yeah. And and I talk to some people sometimes, you know, so, hey, I'll pray about that for you. Like, oh, no, I, I reserve those prayers for a health need or something. It's like, well, dude, God is interested in your business, too, because that's two thirds of your life. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, just like my daughter, she called me this morning. She was so excited telling me about some of the stuff she finished at school. Right. I didn't go, well, Mariah, I don't care about your work at school. <laughs> right. I mean, that's ridiculous. I'm like, oh, my gosh, honey, that's awesome. Oh, great. And they're going to an orchestra thing that they're putting on for uh, the school at the Florida Orchestra. So I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You guys have a great time. We said a morning prayers. Like, why? Because she's my daughter. You know, same thing for, for us and God. Excellent. You know, if people are curious about your faith, Randy, and want to know more, do you have a website you send people to? Well, yeah, I would say connect with us uh, uh, the Facebook, uh, Real Estate Preacher. Uh, that's a great pathway to connect with us and uh, begin to, you know, learn uh, about what we're doing. And, and our focus really is to share spiritual, mental, and then real estate strategies. So, you know, everything that we're doing has got a combination of those three things in it uh, so that it's uh, kind of like a, a three-way focus that you're getting the actual strategies to make money in real estate, but the right mindset to execute and the faith to be able to believe in yourself and believe in God. So yeah, for sure. Connect with us there or the real estate preacher.net. You can connect with us at that website. Very good. I was thinking also my church has a, um, a website it has nothing to do with our church, but our church built it. Yeah. So you can't even find out, you can't even go to this website and, and find out which church it is, yeah. but it's uh, futureandhope.org. Futureandhope.org. Dot org. If anybody's wants some more information about what Randy's talking about, because I, I believe faith is very important, and for me, uh, I go to church. I believe in Jesus. I, you know, it's been important for part of my life ever since I was thirteen or fourteen years old. Wow. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's t let's go to real estate. Um, yeah, talk about you're you're doing a lot of rehabbing right now. Yep. Talk about how you're finding your deals. How, mm -hmm. What kind of marketing are you doing? Are you farming the MLS? Are you doing direct mail? Sure, yeah. Well, it's a combination of things that we uh, definitely still farm the MLS. Um, I know uh, that you had an interview with uh, Than where he was talking about that same thing. Sometimes people think it's not possible, but the truth is it is possible. So there's deals to be had 
uh, through the MLS. I would say, virtually speaking, regardless of the market you're in, I know some may be super ultra hyper hot, and that may not be exactly the case, but uh, they're they're definitely there. Uh, the other thing is the uh, direct-to-seller marketing. We're sending out postcards. We're really going to be focusing on increasing that uh, in January, February. We'd been doing that um, back with the short sale marketing, and so now really going to increase that. The other thing is also through our network, right? I mean, we've been doing this for some time, and so developing relationships with people that know what you do. Um, and even if somebody's newer, like, hey, if you're really going into real estate investing, that the more relationships you develop and the more connections that you have, the more people that understand and know what you do, the more that those deals can come to you. Um, and then other uh, realtors as well. And then uh, even other wholesalers uh, will send us stuff. But um, a lot of that sometimes is kind of iffy. You know what I mean? People kind of not the deals aren't so good there you know a lot of a lot of people um trying to provide stuff that really isn't a value just so they can make a quick buck you know what i mean sure do you ever um because i this happens a lot i get a lot of deals come to me mm -hmm. or i see other buyers lists i'm on better buyers lists and i see properties that are being advertised and the yeah. the prices are ridiculous and sure um, I'm wondering if, if, if you have ever get these deals or somebody brings something to you and you tell them, listen, this won't work, but go back and renegotiate a lower price and bring it to me. Yeah. I think people sometimes forget that they can go back and renegotiate lower prices. Um, is that something that you do? Do you, do you tell anybody that or is that? Yeah, the, the, I have, I have not as stringently done that in terms of telling others. We have done it ourselves in terms of, you know, um, once you really run through everything, it's like, yeah, I really did want to do 75, but I really can't, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so if we're going to do this thing, it's got to be, you know, 67, you know what I mean? So, uh, I think that there's a definite, uh, value in doing that. And even too, for sure, telling people to do it because it is a negotiation, right? And at the end of the day, I think that one of the things that you have to be willing to do is if it's not a good deal is to not do it, you know, because doing a bad deal is not a good deal. Right. You know? Well, I think people are afraid to go back and renegotiate with the sellers. Yeah. And you shouldn't go into a deal with the intention of knowing you're going to renegotiate. Yeah. But what we're saying is, you know, once you get a property under contract, if you're a wholesaler and the numbers don't work, it's okay to go back and renegotiate. In fact, you should. Absolutely. You're doing the seller a disservice if you don't go back and renegotiate because you're stringing them out. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. the sooner you can tell them, listen, this number isn't going to work. It more, needed more work than I expected. Uh, my financial partners, my finance cash money guys are not going to give me any money on this deal because the comps are not there, et cetera, et cetera. For sure. You can go back and you'd be surprised how many sellers are willing to renegotiate if you're honest with them. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. And that's just, you know, and that's part of the thing that just overcoming that fear or overcoming that, uh, you know, uh, desire to not do it or concern like, oh, God, I don't want to have that conversation. It's like, but just recognizing the truth, like you said, maybe the repairs are more high. The comps aren't really as what you initially thought once they've been looked at. And that's just the simple truth and being able to share that effectively. You know, again, 
you have at least an opportunity to succeed. And it's also an opportunity, like you said, to help that person. So, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, they say, hey, you know what? I want to move forward and get this done. Yeah, let's go ahead and do it at the 67 and let's wrap this thing up. And then, bam, now you've helped them. Yep. And then also your turn, you're you're able to now turn and sell it to the other person at, uh, you know, maybe uh, 72 or 71 or whatever the spread may be. But there's something there for you. There's a benefit for the homeowner and there's a value for the person that's going to buy it and make it a rental or fix it up and rehab it and sell it or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I like that a lot. It is. Well, and I think at the end of the day, uh, I go back to the proposition of like, how can I deliver value for the people I interact with? You know, my, my hope would be even on this interview that there's a value that's delivered to the people that are listening, because if that's what I believe we should be focusing on, because the more value we deliver to people, the greater that's also going to come back to us in return. Good. That's excellent. Excellent advice. You'll always win. If you yeah. try to help other people win. It is. It is. You know, it, it sounds so simple, but our ego and our personal desires get in the way of that. And it's like, but it really is a winning formula. And, you know, um, it's just, I mean, personally, it's tough to do it sometimes because you think about, well, gosh, what about me? And it's like, if I, if I genuinely focus my efforts on the other person it really is going to work out that I'm over the, 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 the number of deals that I do, I'm going to win. Excellent. <laughs> Good advice. Randy, uh, you find some deals on the MLS. Yep. Uh, what, are, what are some sneaky little tricks that you wouldn't want to tell anybody else of how you find deals on the MLS? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, what, one of the, the keys people... Something uh, something you don't want your competition to know because your competition isn't listening to this podcast. Yeah. No nobody listens to this. No. <laughs> so what what are some of the no, I'm just kidding, but what are some of your secrets, your best tips for finding deals on the MLS? Yeah. Well, I, I think the the first and foremost thing is you've got to have your rehab numbers dialed in to know what you can really do on cost structure for fixing stuff. Um, a lot of guys don't have that really. They think they do, but they really don't have it dialed in. And so that's a starting point there. But then the second thing I would say is then, you know, not just focusing in on the price equation that may make sense, but focusing on the properties that have been uh, on the market for a period of time. Because then, you know, and there's certain metrics there, whether it's 60, 90, or 120 days that you begin to far target and, and focus in onto those properties, there may be more uh, price elasticity or willingness for that price to come down. So even though it doesn't appear to be in your price range, because of the length of time, it very well may be. Um, and that's something that's been really effective for us. And then that way we know going in, hey, though it's listed at the 195 we know we can make it work based on our internal numbers if we get it for 172. And so then we're able to go in and offer, you know, 167 with a little bit of room to come up. And so that's also then a numbers game there too, because not everybody's going to be willing to take that haircut, even though it's been on the market for three, four months. Right. You know, so I think a lot of times what happens is people just go after price. And then in that scenario, you got 
10 people offering on that. So the price that's listed is really not the price that it is. Yeah, makes sense. And you make a lot of offers every day. Is the key to this to just make – you have a certain number of offers you try to make a week or – yeah, exactly. We have a person that's, you know, focused on that. And then they have a uh, target that they've got to, you know, focus on of how many that they're sourcing and finding. And, you know, they're going through a lot. They're scouring through a lot to, you know, to come up with it. But again, the end result is that it provides uh, deals and the cost structure of that is, you know, cheaper than than other sources. Uh, and, and again, that won't always the volume of that won't last forever. But it is always that there is stuff there if you're looking for it. Right. You know, uh, it, it, you know, and I would say a lot of times, Joe, a lot of times people maybe don't want to work. And somehow or another, we've kind of been culturized to think that success should just be easy. And that like, you know, if I just think it or if I just say it, it's going to happen for me. And that's just simply not the truth. You, you've got to think the right thoughts, say the right things, and then back it up with the massive action, you know. And that may not sound sexy, but it's the truth. Um, and so I think that, you know, sometimes people look at it and they, they think that, well, I want to make tons of money and I don't want to put any effort in. But it's like that's not really the normal case. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever met somebody who's taken massive action and been unsuccessful. Yeah, that's yeah, true. You know, if, if anything, you, you figured out what doesn't work. Yeah. But you're still taking massive action. Your forward progress, your momentum is yep. behind you. Yeah. You'll figure it out. If you make yeah. a mistake, if that doesn't work, you'll figure out something that does work. Absolutely. Forward you know. progress is so critical and important in this business. You know, I, I love I, – I think there's – I sometimes say there's three M's to success in this business. And I got this from a friend, Craig Fuhr. Uh, number one is marketing. Number mm-hmm. two is momentum. And number three is getting a good mentor. Yeah. And the, the, the idea of the marketing, obviously, you've got to constantly be marketing. I don't think there's any real estate problem that marketing can't solve. But for the most part, right? But yeah. leads, if you get enough leads coming in, you can do a lot of deals. But there's something about momentum. The momentum, the forward-moving momentum, yeah. where you, you're doing so much marketing, it's consistent, and you're persistently out there knocking on doors, uh, hitting the streets, making offers after offers. I mean, I, I work with people, and I tell them, listen, you need to be making five offers a day. Can you imagine? Yeah. Making five offers a day, that's 150 offers a month. Mm-hmm. that's what 900 offers in six months do you think you could do a deal one deal if you made 900 offers oh yeah for yeah. sure so it's about momentum and persistence I, I i harp on that a lot well it's true i mean and that's you know that's the thing uh especially that's that's necessary is to to put the work in do the volume and do it consistently because then that consistency is going to yield results and like you said i mean if you've got enough deals to work on, then you don't have to take the thin deals. You don't have to focus on a bad deal because there's other deals. It's like just the other day, I uh, looked at a property. It's, you know, nice area, South Tampa, kind of a, you know, uh, strong marketplace. But the house itself was like three uh, doors down from a gas station, not the best road, 
uh, you know, had a full concrete driveway. I mean, front yard was all concrete. The neighbors was all concrete. So it didn't have a number of the things necessary to have the appeal to be a $300,000 home. And so by having enough deals that we're working on, it's like I just said, eh, that's not, it's not, unless we could get it at this price, it's just not worth it, you know. And, and so, but, you know, what's going to happen is somebody is going to take that and they're going to end up with a thin deal that's then not going to be that great for them. Good. Hey, real quick, Randy, I'm looking at your Real Estate Preacher Facebook page, and you had some good tips in here about building your real estate business plan. Yep. And let's talk about this real quick. Um, we've only got a few more minutes here, but seven yep. tips for making your real estate business plan. Uh, number one, don't get carried away with this exercise or spend months doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't get into the paralysis by analysis syndrome. It should take you a week or two, maybe less than a week. Right? Yep. Number two, make a first cut. Revise it a few times and get some input from appropriate people. Very good. Number three, take massive action. I hope you guys are writing this down. Right. Number one, don't get carried away. Don't spend too much time on this thing. Number two, make it a first cut. Just get something done. Revise it a few times. Get some input from important people who know the business. Number three, take massive action. Number four, revise your plan as you go along. Uh, number five, there's a lot of free business plan templates online, including essential sections along with associated definitions. Just Google business plan templates or business plan sections, for instance. There's a lot of good free resources online to help you with this. Your business plan should contain at least four to six sections. And here are these sections, there's some key sections that uh, they should have. Number one, executive summary. Number two, market analysis. Number three, financial and timing projections. Number four, organizational structure. And number five, exit plans. Mm -hmm. And you say here, I'll post a podcast for more details on each section in the coming days. Yep. Proverbs 24, 27, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. Yeah. Very good advice. So why uh, why is a business plan so important, do you think? Well, I think, you know, by writing it down, it helps you to become focused and strategic. And you can oftentimes work through stuff that's not good thinking. You know, some of the most challenging stuff that you'll do is to think, you know, it's a lot of times people just will do stuff, but there's no clear thoughts behind it. And so by having the plan in place, you're able to, you know, whether it's again, whether you're going to be wholesaling, rehabbing, or developing rentals, you know, you're really thinking through, okay, what's my plan? What's my objective? Uh, What does this look like? And then being able to put those in place, help you to crystallize it, narrow it down and become more focused. And then that way you've got something that's concrete that you're able to run with every single day. And, you know, if it doesn't fit within your focus, you know, right off the bat, hey, boom, it's not for me. Very good. Good stuff, Randy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, I mean, I, I would say this, that a lot of times people want uh, kind of the magic bullet. You know, it's kind of like the 1995 weight loss pill on late night TV. Okay. Um, and the truth is that achieving your dreams and achieving the things that you desire, there are certain principles, certain laws that exist that will yield the success and the desired outcome you want. Not all of them are complex, but they require 
to one, know them, and two, execute them and, and, you know, do it consistently. And so there's a lot of things, just like, you know, making a plan. Uh, it doesn't sound very sexy. It's not very fun to do, per se, for most people. But it helps to sharpen your focus to then give you actionable steps to get to from point A to point B. It's just like, you know, when you're going on a road trip, most people will say, okay, hey, we're, here's the path we're going to go. Here's where we're going to stop. Here's where we're going to end up. They make a plan to get from point A to point B. Same thing should be when we're, you know, looking at making money. We should have a plan to get from point A to point B. Right. Very well, good. Yeah. Very good. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Absolutely. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right on the money, bro. That's right on the money, you know. <laughs> And that's an axiom that, again, it sounds, you know, so simple, but it's also simple truth, you know. So a lot of stuff is common sense, but not common practice. Yeah. You know, so uh, and I love, you know, just hearing some of the different people that you have on the show as well, too, because it's like you hear a lot of the same truths coming from different perspectives, because, again, at the core level, there are certain principles of truth that govern uh, how we're going to succeed. And, you know, one of the biggest things, like you said, is that in the three M's is the mentor. That's one of the things I failed to have in the early stages. And I had to learn the hard way by tons and tons of mistakes. Yeah. yeah. So praise God. Now I try to cut that down by, you know, not only knowing what we know, but also if there's something that we're doing new, hey, I, I contact a, a friend or someone who's doing it and say, hey, Tell me what you're doing there. Boom, boom, boom. And then run with it, you know? Very good. Well, Randy, how can people get more information about you? You have a new podcast. You have a website, Facebook yeah. page, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Connect with us, you know, on uh, iTunes, on our podcast. Definitely. Uh, love to, to have you there. And then you can uh, hook up with us at the realestatepreacher.net on our website. And, um, you know, or uh, email us there at contact us at therealestatepreacher.net. And then, of course, connect with us on Facebook, any, any one of those three channels. And look forward to being a, a value to, to help you in your overall objectives of what you want for your life. Yeah, right. And your podcast is called The Real Estate Preacher. Yep. Your last episode is called Pass Me the Mayo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Mayo as in M-A-O. Yeah, uh, maximum allowable offer. That was funny. I've yeah. never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, and again, it's funny. Like in that episode, we were talking about you know really dialing that into. Uh, and again, that's something I learned in you know the oh six oh five oh four days, right? That people are willing to fudge the numbers based on hope, you know. And hope is not a great business strategy. So it's like by having a true maximum, like this is the most that I'm going to do, and sticking with it helps save you a lot of heartaches, you know? So uh, mm -hmm. that's a great one to listen to for people. Good. All right. And your website is The Real Estate Investing? The, the Real Estate Preacher. Yeah, net. The Real Estate Preacher.net. I'll put that in my notes. We will have these links and all that stuff in the show notes. Real Estate Preacher.net. Okay, good. Yep. They're in the show notes. And uh, Randy, thanks for your time. You've been real gracious. Awesome. I appreciate it. 
Thank you, my brother. It's so great to talk to you and uh, look forward to connecting together with you here, man. So have a uh, have a Merry Christmas there with the family. I think our next mastermind will be in Florida, isn't it? Yes, I know. It's a nice 20-minute drive for me, so praise uh, God for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy, take care. See you. All right, brother. Take care now. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview that we just did with Randy Lawrence. Uh, Randy's a great guy. And his website, again, is therealestatepreacher.net. And I want to just tell you again, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to look at the show notes. We have a ton of really great episodes on there. We even mentioned some previous episodes that we had done with other folks on the podcast. We've been doing this for a long, long time. We have a wealth of great information. Almost any real estate topic you can think of, we've interviewed somebody who's a master at that. And that's why I called the show the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. So please go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes even a transcription of this call. If you'd rather read it instead of just listen to it, you can get a transcription of that. We appreciate you guys. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, I appreciate the positive reviews. And uh, if, you, uh, if you have a negative review, go ahead and feel free to leave it. But please contact my office if you have any problems and would love to help you out in any way we can take care of your issues. All right, take care, guys. Realestateinvestingmastery.com. See you later. Bye-bye. 